Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast and a brand new year. My name is Jesse Mayer. I am your host here on this podcast. And the Salty Pastor Podcast is here so that you can chart your own course through the shallow waters of our culture without breaking your hull against the rocks and all of the <laughs> potential dangerous things beneath the surface. Um, knowledge, faith, and a deeper understanding of the Bible is what we're all about, and you won't feel like a victim, confused and upside down as the world continues its pursuit to value in a life without God. And we can't chart this course without some guidance from the old salty sea dog himself, our salty pastor, Dr. Douglas Peak. <laughs> well, greetings, everybody. And uh, I guess I'm just a salty old dog now, so <laughs> hopefully I can still do a few new tricks now and then. But it's so good to have all of you, everyone here listening and participating as we seek the deeper truths of God, as we study the scriptures, and then find out how these principles really apply to everyday life. Absolutely. And I want to take a quick moment. The really big news around here, um, I know I'm know getting some messages about it, is that you're in quarantine because you got COVID. So uh, yes. let's talk about it a little bit. How are you? What's going on? Give us an update. Well, um, I'm doing I'm doing really, really well. Uh, my whole family got it. Uh, Kim oh got it. Jake got it. And my daughter and son-in-law who came... Uh, to stay with us at Christmas from Madison. Uh, they got it as well. We went out, a few of us got tested and most of we all tested positive. So we figured, okay, we all have it. We all have the same symptoms. Uh, basically what happened is my son-in-law, Ryan, and my daughter, Mackenzie, and my son, Jake, they, it didn't really affect them that bad at all. It was like just a mild head cold for them. I mean, Jake, it, uh, it was almost nothing. I mean, one afternoon he felt a little tired. And then after that, he was back to his uh, normal self. I got, I got pretty sick for a while. Like a re it was like a really bad flu, mm -hmm. um, just really uh, hardcore flu. It, it just, it just went day after day after day. So I was probably sick, good, good sickness for about five or six days. And then I started uh, popping out of it. We didn't really know. I mean, last week I, I started getting sick. I got tested on a Tuesday, I think, the uh, week before last. And then I didn't find out until Thursday, got the positive confirmation after we had recorded the salty pastor for last week. So that's kind of why we, you know, we just didn't know at that time. Right. So that's why I didn't share anything with anybody uh, just I was just at home quarantining and resting until I could figure it out. But uh, but I'm on the upswing, doing really well, uh, feeling good. I'll um, I'm gonna go see a doctor on Thursday, you know, just for a checkup. But uh, doing really really well. I'd say I'm at easily 80 85 percent back to normal. Just a little fatigue now and then. Uh, Kim got it pretty bad too, and she's a couple of days behind me, so taking care of her and making sure she's good. But I think she's starting to get on the upswing as well. So we're really glad the Lord uh, was faithful and brought the family through it. And the one thing I learned is that uh, pretty much statistics, they don't lie. Absolutely. 
Well, I'm sure I saw our listeners of the Salty Pastor and Foothills in general in saying that we're so glad the Lord is faithful, that he's bringing you back to good health and taking care of you and your family. It seems he's not finished with you yet, your time, which is good. We're glad to keep you around. So um, we are in the midst of a study of Galatians. And as you said earlier, uh, Galatians is a book about rules. It asks questions like, what is the point of rules? What rules are necessary and what rules are unnecessary? How do you know the difference? What is the biggest rule of all? Uh, Let's review the really big rules that we've been working on so far. Yeah, so in chapter one, you know, he talks about how the Galatians had really seen their faith be undermined. And some people had come in and they used rules uh, in order to really shake the foundation of faith for all of the churches in the region of Galatia. These are churches that Paul had planted. And so we went in there and what Paul is doing is he's saying, look, you have to understand the nature of rules. And he uses a thing throughout the entire book called the law of non-contradiction. In other words, you can't really believe two things that contradict each other. And so what that does initially is it forces you to dig a lot deeper and think more clearly just about your life, what you believe. And remember, we talked about, you know, what you believe is one of the most important things about you. And and that's what really helps bring clarity to life and mission and purpose. And that's what the first rule is, is that never forget your purpose in life and that you were created in the image of God. You've been tainted by sin so that needs to be dealt with because it influences how you think what you believe and how you act and so when you really understand your purpose you understand who you really are and this is the first step to understanding what life is meant to be and so that's a really critical rule and then last week uh we talked about Uh, do not be conformed by the world because the world will constantly try to get you off track, undermine your purpose and convince you that it defines your identity and who you are, not God. Harv did a great job of preaching on this last Sunday. So this week, we're still in chapter two. We're in the second half of chapter two. And we really want to help people understand the next principle, the next rule that we should really never forget. And that is we need to find someone who understands the real truth about our purpose in Christ, how the world tries to mold and shape us, and then help lead and guide us through that. So that's what rule number three is all about, is finding someone who understands the truth and is willing to share it and give it to us as a gift. Well, that sounds like a really good rule when it comes to life. Um, why don't we jump in and see what's going on in Galatians 2, 11 through 21. I'll read it really quick, and then you can kind of expound upon it. Um, So uh, verse 11 in chapter 2, when Cephas came to Antioch, um, I also, just for those who maybe didn't listen to last week, Cephas um, is is another name for Peter, which I was yesterday or last week years old when I learned that. So um, (laughs) again, fun trivia fact. 
when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because of the works of the law, no one will be justified. If in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For, the, uh, th for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So, Pastor Doug, tell us what's going on here between Peter and Paul. It seems to be a little bit of a back and forth, a, a bit of a tiff. <laughs> well, there was definitely a conflict here, and I think it's really important to point out, you know, the verse where it says, Paul says, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. So this is really, really important is that Paul wasn't just picking a fight with Peter because he didn't like him. Uh, he, he wasn't just simply having a little power struggle. Well, who's more in charge? You know, I know Peter was the apostle that that was the leader of the church and preached the first, you know, message to the world in Acts chapter two and was there on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and birthed the church. But I'm Paul and I planted these churches in Galatia. And so he should respect it. And there was none of that going on. I think it's really important to understand. And, and Pastor Hart brought this out last week is that Paul sought uh, unity and accountability with Peter and the apostles, and there was much agreement on this issue. And this happened and was recorded by Paul prior to the council meeting in Acts chapter 15. And in Acts chapter 15, Peter actually says that what Paul says here, how are we Jews who cannot keep the law going to impose it on the new Gentiles? So Peter ends up quoting Paul wow. in the argument in Acts chapter 15. So what I think is really important to understand is that Paul was very careful. And he basically said, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. So he doesn't, he wasn't care. He doesn't care about anything else except for this one manifestation of a hypocrisy, which was a direct 
conflict with the message of the gospel. And then notice what Peter does is, uh, excuse me, what Paul does to Peter is that he doesn't sit there and ream over the coals. What he does is he makes a gospel point. And so what he does is he makes a statement in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, which is one of my favorite passages of scripture of all. And it says this, it, it says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is I who no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And so what's really interesting is that right there we see the encapsulation of what it means to live by faith. It, he, what Paul does is he contrasts, he loses, uses this law of non-contradiction saying you can't believe two things at the same time that contradict one another. And what he's saying is you can either believe you're justified by the law, the Jewish law, or you're justified by faith in Jesus Christ. It is a gift of grace from God through faith. And so he's saying that, look, being justified by grace through faith is a totally different way of thinking and experiencing the world around us. And so what it does is the, it, it, he's saying, look, the human heart's desire for religion instead of a relationship with God is an ongoing temptation for us. And what happens is if we live trying to self-justify or use religion to justify, then what happens is we're making shortcuts in our relationship with God. And that ends up being a losing proposition. It doesn't matter what side you pick, whether you pick the more self-righteous side, which in his mind would be the Jewish side, or maybe the libertine side or the sinful side, which he uses as the Gentile side. He says, it doesn't matter. You end up losing because you've negated the whole essence of the gospel in your own life. What you're saying is I'm justified by what I continue to do I will self-justify as opposed to living in a manner that says God has justified me and I will pursue his holiness, his righteousness is an act of gratitude and thanksgiving in my life each and every day. And this, this principle at its core, at its core is what has been so transformational in the world today. And this is why Christianity is unlike any other belief system, philosophy, or religion. Because when it's allowed in its pure form is it never uses coercion, manipulation, power, or force to propagate itself. Because what you're doing is you're trying to introduce people into the love of God and into his grace. And the only way you can receive God's grace is through love. It can't be forced on a person. And this is called the doctrine of non-coercion. And so it's really fascinating because you can go back and look at the history of the church 
and you look at people who want to be political leaders and they saw the church as a geopolitical thing, you know, and the history of the Roman Catholic Church is, is filled with this all the way from about the seventh or eighth century up until about, you know, a hundred years after the Protestant Re uh, Reformation. So there's well over almost a thousand years of, of uh, uh, an attempt to use the church as a geopolitical force. And so it was really, it's interesting whenever you try to force people and use religion to force people to comply, you see the same problem over and over and over again. It negates, it undermines the entire gospel of grace, which comes from Jesus Christ. So people didn't know Christ, they knew religion. And he just became an icon for their religious belief. And that's what's really fascinating about the truth of Christianity is because it's based on this uh, doctrine of non-coercion that you have to know God through love that is allowed what it's called, it self-corrects. It always seems to come back to the purity of its truth. No matter how much people get off or groups of people try to take it in any direction, it always comes back to its truth over and over again. This is unlike any other belief system or religion in the history of the world. So it's really amazing to see the truth of what happens in this passage be clarified by Paul and how transformational it was to the, how people interacted and understood God. Well, and I find it interesting too, that it's like, he doesn't, he doesn't call Peter out, you know, he's not, he's calling him out, but he's not doing it in a, like, you're all absolutely wrong. You have these things that are wrong. Like he kind of does it in, almost like a loving and respectful way. He's holding him accountable rather mm -hmm. than just saying, you're a complete mess up. He's not canceling him. He's just saying, hey, like you said, either this or this, you can't have both. You need to pick one and that. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what's really the essence of the gospel is that, is that we have to contrast for people the choice that they get to make. And I think the problem is that the world wants you to believe you don't have a choice, you know, and that's, that's really what the world does is it, it, it's constantly saying all kinds of stuff. Well, when it comes to like, for instance, your sexuality and how you express your sexualities, well, you don't have a choice uh, in that at all. And so uh, we're going to tell you who you are based on sex which I think is um, really kind of uh, just a crazy thing to try to build an identity around. And that's why I think there's so much despair and so much uh, lostness and so much pain and hurt revolving around that situation in so many different people's lives. I see that people, uh, the world tells you that politics is going to help you figure out who you are. And I think, you know, you made a point last week, which is really good. And that is, is that people put so much faith in politics on one side or the other. And then when their side doesn't win, um, it, it's, it's devastating to them. Well, I think what's really important to understand is that what Paul is saying is that to cry greatest aim of your life. you will always lose whenever you play the world's game you end up losing 
So the key is, how do I continue to live in grace, walk in grace, understand grace, and then influence the world and the game it's playing around me without ever actually playing it on its own rules? So that's what I think is really Paul is illuminating here that is so freeing and so powerful for us as followers of Christ. Well, and I think, I mean, it's, I just love that it's more, he's just like, like you said, it's like, don't play the game, like stop taking sides and just take your focus and put it wholly in Christ rather than my side's right. Your church is wrong. I believe, you know, I think that this church is better than that church or this political party is better than that political party. It's like, that doesn't matter. Get rid of all that stuff and focus on what really matters and stop playing the games that the world's trying to bait you into being a part of. Yeah, you know, because what he's saying is, look, is that what religion does, uh, you know, and, and that's, I'll, I'll even expand it to a philosophical position based on external defining markers. Uh, in other words, uh, maybe the way you look or the way you act or the way you self-identify. He says, when, when you approach life that way, what you are is in a constant power play of trying to get everybody to succumb or comply with your perspective. And your self-worth is tied up. And how many people can I get to, you know, force to do what I want? And that's a problem. You know, that's a problem for you because for you personally, that ends up undermining your own growth as a person, particularly living in grace. Uh, it entraps you because now you're playing a power game with everybody around you. Notice how he says it. He goes, look, he says, we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles. Now, isn't it interesting that he uses this contrast? He's saying, oh, so we're Jews. And so he's he's appealing to that underlying belief that Jewish people have, and that is, well, I'm a Jew, I'm not a sinful Gentile. So he's appealing to this, this bigotry that Jews have towards Gentiles. And he says, if we who are Jews and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, then he says, how can we then impose that on them? So he's saying, okay, so we're wrong in that regard. And then he turns around and says, but if we pick the other side and say, we Jews find ourselves among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? In other words, oh, I'm just going to be a person who throws off all restraint. I can do whatever I want. And, you know, because I'm not bound by that anymore. Uh, he's saying, so I, I'm, see, I'm picking the other side. I'm going to live on that side. And he's just simply saying, look, you guys, you're playing the wrong game. And when you do that, what happens is you're in a power play against one another. And you, of course, are the one who your faith is what ends up losing or you shipwreck your faith. And so I think that's very true for today. It's like, well, how in the world do we bring ethnic healing and reconciliation 
And it seems like what most people are doing, even people in the Christian community are saying, well, there's two sides and we need to pick one. And I think what's happening is if you do that, then you are negating what Paul is talking about here in Galatians chapter two. And that is, if you play that game, there has to be a loser. Right. And what he's saying is that when it comes to the grace in which we live, we're all winners because it's not what we did. It's what Christ did. And so instead of trying to self-justify, let's Jesus justify us through grace. And that's a very important distinction. Absolutely. Well, I'm really excited to talk more about this. Um, on Thursday, I think we have some really great points that um, will apply to what's going on in our culture right now and, and what we're dealing with as a country here in America. Um, so I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to be interested in seeing how you can take these verses and, and help guide us through some of the stuff that we're dealing with right now. Is there any final take you want to you wanna leave us with before we sign off for the day? Well, I just think it's really, really important to understand that the purpose of the Salty Pastor is to help all of you come to a deeper understanding of your relationship with God. I want you to know who you are in Christ Jesus and Him alone, and then try to figure out how to be aware of all of the tools that Satan uses to try to get you to play the wrong game. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's very important to not play the world's game, but to play God's game. In other words, being God's kingdom first. And that is the best way that will bring about reconciliation between uh, ethnic uh, uh, races. It'll be the best way to bring uh, unity in regards to political differences. It's the best way to bring peace to the world. So the most important thing is pray for God's kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. It's the most powerful thing you can do as a follower of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you guys again for joining us today on the Salty Path. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe on the if you're watching on YouTube or if you're um, on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review and comments. Again, those help us get these out to um, more people. Um, Plus side is Doug's on the men, so we'll be back in our usual location doing the Salty Pastor the, the way you've come to know and love um, sooner than later. But we'll do it over Zoom as long as it takes to him for him to get healthy, and then uh, we'll be back at it. So thank you guys for joining us, and we'll see you on Thursday here on the Salty Pastor. Blessings, everyone. Happy New Year, and let's go for Jesus. <laughs>